Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the Burgundy and Blue, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans, and look at who has joined me today, the one and only Matt Smith. Matt with one T. We just got done doing our show uh, filling in for Mark Schlereth. He did a great job. We've talked well, a lot about the Avalanche. And this is, uh, as we're talking, right in the aftermath of their loss to Detroit last night, 2-1 to one in overtime. A lot of issues that, that surround this hockey team. Let's try to kind of break them all down. Uh, I guess overall, big picture, wh- wh- where is your concern level right now with this with this team? I guess concern level for what would be my bigger question? Are we talking about being a contender again? It's pretty high. It's pretty yeah. high. It, it's the same place it basically was last year, right? This is predominantly a one-man wrecking crew, a one-line team from a consistency perspective. Outside of McKinnon, nobody else generates a lot of offense, and it's too easy come playoff hockey, matchup-wise, to at least maybe not take a guy away completely, but to stifle him and to make everybody else have to produce. And when they've been called upon this year, they really haven't answered the bell on the whole consistently and I just don't believe that you can win a cup that way so as far as my concern level for their ability to bring home another championship this year pretty high and isn't that where it needs to be though isn't that where the standard needs to be they're in a championship window right now and and this isn't to me I I don't think you you can look at any of the issues with the abs and say yeah okay well they're going to need to fix this for next year right I, I you can't be thinking about that Windows, championship windows only stay open for so long before they slam shut. And I, I just don't want to waste yeah. any of the prime years of a Nathan McKinnon, a Miko Ranton, and a Kale McCarr. So to me, there is there needs to be that sense of urgency for all of us out there as, as fans, media, uh, hopefully the team itself, that urgency of, okay, yeah, are we good enough to win the Central Division? Are we good enough to make to it win the a, first round? Make it to win, go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, and for a lot of franchises and franchise fan bases, that would be that'd be awesome. But the fact is, is we have a higher standard here. So when we look at this team, we're looking at through that lens of what do they need to be a cup contender? So let's let's get into some of those issues. Right now, I, I I, I think the number one issue for this hockey team is they got to get Val Machuskin back. Number one. Th- to me, that is the biggest key. They got to get him back. They got to get him back whole. They got to get him sped up to where he was prior to going into the player assistance program. And they got to have a sense that he's going to be reliable for, for the playoffs. So he's going to be here. I, I'm skeptical that that happens. Really? Yeah. You know, I don't want to play games and guess what's going on in somebody's personal life. But knowing what we've heard based upon his past history, that, you know, maybe he's had some of these issues in the past and maybe he's, you know, been in the program one way or another in the past. And then we saw what happened last year in Mm -hmm. Seattle. What happened last year in Seattle is not just like a fun night out thing. This is a pattern, right? And we'd heard, you know, kind of behind the scenes that they've been aware of some of this stuff. Right. And again, I don't want to speculate, but my guess here. More than 30 days you need to kind of get your head screwed on straight again. Now you look at Gerard. Gerard was in the program, I think, 27 days, you know, but we didn't really know anything. It hadn't, I'm not, I, again, making assumptions here, right. and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just guessing that a guy like that who clearly has had issues in the past, 
probably going to take you more than 30 days to break out of that cycle, especially because it's a much, you know, Gerard's culture is different than Nachushkin's culture is, right? So I think there's some of that too. And maybe they, they know he's going to get back, but I'm, I'm not convinced yet. But you're right. Without him, they're not going anywhere. I mean, there's a reason they went out and paid him instead of Nazem Kadri. Yeah. is because he's a rare player. He's a Clydesdale in a four-check and the back-check. He can score in a power play. He can play penalty kill for you. He's an animal when he's healthy. We didn't really see that version of him last year. He wasn't healthy most of the time. You know, I mean, we remember what happened. He had to be dragged out of winning the cup on the, on the luggage cart because his foot was black right. and blue. He could, couldn't put his foot in a skate. So you, you've got that. you got that issue. Right. That's a big one. And, and now while you're looking to see if the Avalanche go out and do anything in terms of improving the cast, the supporting cast around this core, th- there's a lot of pressure on this core to play at an exceptionally high level. And if they have an off night, it's felt. Right. And if any of their key players go through a bit of a slump, it is really felt. Kale McCarr doesn't have a point in seven straight games. In seven what do you think is going on with Kale? I, I I do think there could be something lingering there. He had a lower body issue, I think, several different times at the beginning of the year. And then he missed a couple of games. I think he had a stretch where he missed like three games once, and then he played a couple, then got dinged up again, missed three, and then kind of came back quickly. And I thought to myself, man, I wonder if he's 100%. Because at that time, they hadn't been playing well. Mm-hmm. Bednar likes to talk about the segments. That was a bad segment for them. And so they kind of needed him back. But I'm watching him move, and he's just not moving the way that he normally does. Even though you'll see it sometimes in bursts? Flashes, but you don't see it consistently. And that's what makes Kale Kale. Is because quite literally, when he touches the puck, you know, you know he's doing the hip swivel, right. and he's dancing at the blue line. Yeah, okay, he he's shows you that in flash. And again, that's a hot take that I think maybe there's something nagging going on there. But either way, it's gotten to his head. I watched his postgame last night after the, uh, the, the loss in Detroit. He's taking it hard. You know, he's talking about it's me on the PK, it's my mistakes. And even Bednar was talking about, yeah, you know, there's execution errors. On that road trip, the six-game road trip out of the All-Star break, he came back a minus five. When was the last time Kale was minus five in six games? That doesn't really happen. This is the first real stretch, in my opinion. And, gosh, I mean, what a blessing it is to talk about a, a, a seven-game stretch as the most adversity you've dealt with right. in your young career. Right. But it might be. Right. So they need him back, and they need not just him – but they need their horses to be horses. And when I say that, I'm talking about Miko Rantan. Well, Miko Rantan, it, it's funny. I I never saw this coming. I never even thought about it. But I've, I've seen it out there on the social media chat rooms a little bit that folks are frustrated with Miko Rantanen, that they, they feel that Miko Rantanen's underperforming. I've even seen some crazy, and let, let's just dismiss it as crazy, Talk of trading no. Miko Rantanen, no. which no. is nuts. Uh, I, I don't think you no. ever consider trading the guy who I believe, and you agree with me earlier today, is the most underrated superstar in the NHL today. Just the most underrated superstar. I would put Miko Rantanen up against any other underrated superstars. I'd put him at the top. But it's funny because it last year it just felt like Miko was just, you know, powerful and bam, everything he was doing was in your face with 55 goals, Mm. 50 assists for 105 points. It's funny in a season in which some feel like he's sort of underachieving, he's on pace for 41 goals and 61 assists, 102 points. 
it's really just of late that he's slowed down a little bit. He had a great start to this season. Yeah. At the start to this season, he was getting national recognition as a top 10 player in the league, which he hadn't gotten before. Other guys, you know, Kale and, and Nate have gotten that. But, I mean, for to, to, to enter into the top 10 conversation, you've got to have respect because there's some really good talent mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. But of late, six points in his last nine games – now, for most guys, you're like, yeah, okay. Right. Look, that's a solid stretch. You're right. contributing. Right. For, if Jonathan Drouin had six points, hey, sign me up. He's playing really well Terrific. right now. Yeah. But for Miko, they need more from yep. him. And okay, we can look at the production, but I also look at this number, and I read this the other day that at five on five, even strength, not on power play, not on penalty kill, he's averaging two fewer shots per game this year. And watching that game against Detroit, I'm, I'm sitting there going, Miko, shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got. Stop deferring. They need you because when he applies that pressure, well, now the goalie's got to be thinking about Nate in the left circle and Miko in the right circle, mm-hmm. and, and now I got to be moving side to side. And maybe sometimes you generate, you know, in uh, an off balance look from a goaltender. I thought they had a good performance last night, Detroit, from Alex Lyon, but I'll just say, not good enough right now. And and that is a credit to what kind of a player he is. Yes, because you wouldn't be saying that about anybody else. Well, with both Miko and Kale. It, Exactly. They're so gifted offensively. Right. I'd like to see them be a little bit more assertive on the offensive end. I think they're deferring maybe a little bit too much. So if you're looking at, so we're looking at Val, we're looking at, you need a little bit more from Kale and, and Miko. But then there that's is, just where it starts. Can we just that's where it starts? That's just where it starts. That, I mean, if you want to have any chance, that's where it starts. Right. But now we start talking about what it takes to be able to win a cup. And and this is something you and I have been talking about for the last couple of years. It's the supporting cast and yeah. their inability to build the right kind of supporting cast around this core. And last year, we knew it wasn't good enough because they went out in the first round and because the Avs turned over their supporting cast from last year to this year. It was an acknowledgement that it wasn't good enough. As you look at it right now, you know, what kind of grade would you give the Avs for what they've done with the supporting cast this year compared to last? Some hits and misses. It's kind of interesting when you take a broad strokes look at it. Last year, they went with younger players who were new hook, right? You know, Comfer was in their yep. system. They went with some of those guys and said, well, let's see if they can eventually take the mantle. Well, they never did. And then the Avs screwed up by never addressing it at the trade deadline. That was on them. They didn't put Gabe on LTIR. They were wishful thinking to get him back. Uh, no, you, 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 you've got to load up, especially when, and what it really boils down to, and, and the biggest problem facing them, is they're now going on two seasons without their captain for a situation out of everyone's control that has everybody frustrated and everyone wishes was different. But as a result, it has handcuffed them. Maybe not in the immediate because you can replace that money with a different player. But if Gabe is still a part of your long-term plans, which we know he is very much still a part of their long-term plans. Five years left on his contract. Then the most you can get a top six guy who can really affect change and really drive offense and be dynamic for is probably as a rental because you got to have that space clear for Gabe next year. Don't forget. I know the cap's going up, but Miko's out raise. What are we going to do? Luckily they locked up Taves. Right, they signed Byram with that restricted free agent offer. Who knows if he's a piece? Kind of crazy to me now to think about Bo Byram being a, a piece because I'd have told you a few months ago, hell no. But the the fact of the matter is, 
Gabe is holding the whole thing in limbo. And now when you double that down by not knowing where Val is or what the situation is, those are two of your biggest pieces. And if we're going to compare it back to the 22 cup run, you're missing Gabe, you're missing Val, and you're missing Nas. And those are three of your top six. Think about, I mean, let's just think about this for a second. The importance that each one of those guys played over their cup run. Val, you can make the argument, was their best overall Mm -hmm. player, right? I mean, I think he led them in goals over that playoffs, if memory serves. Gabe, you're talking about timely goals. When you got to have it plays. Greasy ones, you know, you're just not seeing it that night. Puck's not going in. Well, Gabe's, you know, doing the work in front of the net. 20-plus points in that that championship run. If Gabe never got hurt in that regular season, he finishes the year leading them in goals. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, I think he had 30 when he got hurt. Yeah, he was having a really good year. Yeah. And then Kadri, shoot. I mean, what what do we need to say about Nas? Guy has the series he has in St. Louis, dealing dealing with what he was dealing with, breaks the thumb against Edmonton, and then comes back and you know, heroic performance in the cup final. That's why when we're talking about the Avs and, and, you know, it goes so much beyond just, are they good enough to, you know, win the division or win a couple of rounds is because we know what a championship winning team looks like. And when you don't have Naz, you don't have Kadri, uh, excuse me, you don't have Naz, you don't have Val and you don't have um, um, Gabe, Gabe, three mammoth holes. So, okay. What do you do about it? You, you can't assume that Gabe's going to come back. Okay? I don't believe you so. You can't. You can't. Uh, and Val, you, you, you hope, will come back. Can I ask you a question? I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. What are the circumstances with which you would allow Gabe back this year? I would need Gabe to play. Well, he's not going to play in any games because they can't bring him no, back no, no. before Can playoffs. he play minor league? No. Can he, he can't no. play any. You can't mm-hmm. play any tune-up games. Uh-uh. It's all practice. Unless this guy is going hard in practice. Taking contact, bouncing back up. For three weeks at least. And even still, you're rolling the dice. Even then. But if it's one of those things that you're like, hey, he went out and was able to practice for four or five days before the playoffs start. Here you go. You can't do that. You can't do it because it's not good for the hockey team to to ask them to try to think that that's going to be the answer. That's not fair to the hockey team. It's not fair to Gabe because you're, you're putting a guy who hasn't played since June 20th, the year, the, the night they won the cup. The he night they won the cup. He hasn't played since the night they won the cup. Think about that. Was that like June 26th? June 26th of 2022. He hasn't played. Been a and, long time. And, you're, and you can't honestly think that after a week of practice, this guy's going to jump into Stanley Cup playoff play and, and be a difference maker. That is so unfair to Gabe, and it's unfair to this team, and it's not a smart business organizational move because you still have five years, $35 million right. left on this guy's contract. At some point, you have to think about – Gabe has to think about his career. The Avs have to think about their investment. Yeah. And I don't see how, if you're correctly thinking about your career or the team's thinking about your investment, how he plays this year. Unless I don't think it fits with either either one of them. Yeah. Unless he can go out and just practice all out for like two weeks I think before the playoffs start. At a bare minimum, bare you minimum. would start there. And maybe you roll those dice because, hey, look, I mean, you get hurt. You know, you have a setback. We need you. You have a setback. Well, you know, I'm. Are you really going to be able? To, is see, he going to bounce back another time but see, from this? But see, Matt, and that that goes back to the whole idea of when you have a championship window, you you got to go for it because that window is going to close. And and I do not want them to think that trotting Gabe Landeskog out, and if it doesn't work out, 
we're all left saying, oh, well, you know, hey, it didn't work out. They tried with Gabe. We'll go back to this next year. Because if that's your strategy, it's it's if that's the best you can do. But you're missing a little bit of what I'm saying here. If he goes out, God forbid, knock on wood, doesn't have wood. Right. <laughs> wood in the studio. <laughs> I know we got it over there. Point is, if it doesn't work out and he gets hurt, I don't want this. I don't wish this. But maybe in a in a in a way, it puts you in a position where, hey, are, I mean, is he going to give it another kick of the tires to go around this thing? And maybe because because here's the truth: is if you don't know that he's going to be ready to go for next season, assuredly, you have to move on. And it sucks to say that. I don't want to say that, but it is unfair to the rest of the guys in that room, and it's unfair to your fan base, your organization, everybody who puts in blood, sweat, and tears not only to support this hockey team but to coach, develop. Because you you need that guy out there, and right now you're playing with one hand tied behind yeah, your but back. Yeah, that's something you could figure out in June and July or, or, or even August. You could figure that out. But but all I'm saying is, okay, if you roll the dice and he has a setback, what is the, what are the repercussions of a setback for next year? Oh, it, 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 it takes next year out of play in all likelihood. But does it take his career out of play? Is it in a situation where he's medically retiring? And, 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 and I don't root for this, but I think these are the conversations they're probably having behind closed doors because you have to investigate every single possibility of right. reintegrating So let's him. deal with the here and now, and that is this year's team and, and, and what they need to do between now and the trade deadline, March 8th. And, and you, you, let's do the checklist. You've you got to have some kind of clarity within the organization about what Val's plans are. You if have you to can know. get it. I think you can get that. I think you can get that. Right. Is he getting, is he nearing, or is it, are you rounding you, you into can, shape? You can find out. You can find out if you know that Val, A, is even going to come back at all, and then what his reliability will be moving forward. You can figure that out by, I think, by the at trade deadline. a rough idea. I think you'll have a rough idea. Uh, so you'll have that you got to figure out. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. You can't, you can't move forward with the moves that you think you need to make for a playoff run for this team and think, well, we'd like to do that, but we really can't, or we need to wait to see whether or not Gabe's going to come back. You can't. You, you, you can't. You, you got to look at a, a Gabe Landeskog return as, wow, we weren't expecting that. What a bonus. But in the meantime, we went and did all these other things to put ourselves in position to win without Gabe. And then if Gabe comes back, great. It's gravy. But you can't count on it. So now the question remains. We're two weeks away from the trade deadline, Matt. What do they do? <clears throat> Again, I think that's I why. I mean, I've... we're talking about all the issues. We're well, laying out the problems. Yeah. All right, let's figure out some solutions here. I think there's a reason that I bring up next year for Gabe. Because if he's not ready for next year, how do you get rid of the contract? Because if he's still trying to recover, then that contract is still on your, on your mm -hmm. books. And you still have to put him on LDIR. And then you, you can spend his money, but you got to clear it up if you think he's coming back. Right. But if you roll those dice and, and and you say, look, you know, you've been out two years now. We it's time to go. We need you here. He steps in. He gets a setback. He gets a, well. Then you don't root for that. You don't want that. But then the contract does come off the books. And that was the reason why I brought it up is because the, what you're talking about here, making these moves at the deadline. Oh well, it doesn't matter if you have Gabe because you're in the championship window. It kind of does for the future of the rest of this team. Because let's just say I, it's tough for me to even pick out a potential trade target name. Let's just say you're trying to go get an elite player who's more than an Adam Henrique or, or um, you know, some of these other middle guys stat. that have been yeah, middle stat. Let's right. just say you're trying to swing for the fences right. here. Okay, well, if Gabe's coming back next year, you got to have that $7 million cleared up. So whoever you're adding, if he's not a rental, you better have that room on the roster. 
And and if Gabe does come back, if Gabe does come back next year, well, what are you going to do there? Then did you just waste a bunch of assets or or spend a bunch of assets on a rental that hey, I've got to make a bunch of moves this offseason and all of a sudden my prospect pool is even shallower than it was before. I have even fewer picks at my disposal than I had before. So you got to think long and hard about the bullets you're willing to fire here at the deadline. Because if you really believe you got an all-in chance to go win, all right, well, now we got to figure out how to get rid of Johansson's contract. Does Byram become a trade piece? Because lately I've heard Chris Tanev from uh, um, uh, Calgary and Matt Dumba, actually, Arizona, as at least two names that they looked in on. I don't have confirmation. These are just what I've read in reports. Well, why would, why would the Avs right now be looking for a defenseman? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. In fact, defense is probably where they have the most depth on their roster. So, well, maybe they're thinking about they might have to use one of their own defensemen as a key piece in some sort of trade. Do you and think then they might need somebody on the back end to replace that guy. When, when you hear these names that are talked about from a middle stat to an, uh, Adam Henrique, is there anybody that really moves the, the needle for you that it would be enough of a difference maker to give up Sidney Crosby. Uh, uh, well, I'm not. Yeah, Sidney Crosby. <laughs> you, you just yeah. asked me. But I, no, That's I'm talking about the other names. I mean, these these other guys we're talking about, the middle stats, the Enriques. Are any of these guys enough to move the media that you say, yeah, I'd give up a a, a future first round pick uh, for them uh, for that kind of a player? I would I would do that. Maybe even a a, a prospect, one of our top prospects. I would do that. It, do any of these guys jump move out. the meter for yeah, you? Yeah, it's a good question. So. I think here's where I'm at with the deadline. You either clear your cap space, you clear the Johansson money, Mm -hmm. you go get a legit 2C, or you make fringe moves at the most, and you you address the big boy moves this offseason. It'll be easier to dump Johansson in the offseason, and then you go about it that way. You're kicking the can down the road again. Well, meanwhile, they, they wouldn't have had to. Window, they, I know, but meanwhile, it's already, what's closing. The window keeps closing. It's keeps already closing. happening no matter what you do. That's happening no matter what you do because you've been without your captain for two years, and now one of the pieces that you relied upon to be a core moving forward has been unreliable in Nachushkin. So That's already happening whether or not we really want to acknowledge it. It just is because – These guys are going to continue to be more expensive when you have to re-sign. Now, luckily, they did a good job and locked up most of their core. They got Taves locked up this year, right? And Miko's coming up for a new deal, and he'll probably get a raise, a couple million, as the cap moves up as well. I just look at it and go, Mike, unless you are all in, all in, we're dumping Johansson, we're adding another top six. Like, those are the type of things that I think you can justify. But you have to know that you're not going to have a ton of bullets this summer to fire if you do that now. So I look at the asking prices for what's already been dealt. Sean Monahan, he got a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, the Flames got a, a haul back for Lindholm, which the Avs could have never met. By the way, barely noticed Lindholm the other night mm-hmm. when they played Vancouver. Are you willing to make that type of investment, use a first-round pick for an Adam Henrique? Does that move the needle? It doesn't for yeah. me. So for me, I'm I would much rather keep that pick and honest to goodness address those things in the offseason because it's this offseason that you have to make your decision on Gabriel Landeskog, one way or another. So it sounds like you're well, I'm either all in or I'm or I'm let's save those those aces up the sleeve. It's not an easy decision. You can't sell it well, to the if, fan base. If you don't if you don't think if you don't think that there is a move to be made. Do I think Adam Henrique by himself right. moves the needle? Absolutely not. Then then you don't give up a, a, a first round pick and a prospect for that. Right. 
Right. And that, unfortunately, is where you're at, where you're, you've put yourself in this championship window where you've now created a situation where we're, we're kind of stuck in between. And we got to rely on what we got now in-house to try to be good enough. I believe Cross that. our fingers for Val's return. Don't you remember? I told you the last time I was sitting here with And hope that this is good enough. I said punt. Yeah, you did say punt on the season. And the reason why I said that is because it's not an easy call. If you blow some of these assets now on a Henrique, on a, uh, you know, on a, on, a, on a player of his caliber, on a rental who's older, who's really not going to light it up, who's having like a 30-point you know, season, then you don't have that to actually make the move to get the play. Who are we talking about replacing here? We're talking about replacing Gabriel Landeskog, Nazem Kadri, and Val Nachushkin. Is Adam Henrique going to do that? No. no. Let's say then, and we'll wrap it up with this. Let's say the only thing that happens between now and the playoffs is they get Val back. Okay? Is that good enough to go win a cup? With what you have right now, add Val to the mix. No. Is it good enough to win the cup? Mm-mm. I don't think so either. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, they they can't just have guys that just have out-of-body experiences for the next two months. And That's that like it, a conference final It can't team. happen, but. Could be. It, it What we know a Stanley Cup winning team to look like, and we're lucky enough to know what that looks like. Yeah. That, under that scenario, it feels like they'd be lacking. I think they would because you you still haven't addressed another huge wing because you still don't have right. Randy and Kadri. That second People don't center. understand oh. how important the value of Nazem Kadri. The reason they didn't bring him back is because he had a career year at his age. He had 87 points the regular season. Yeah. He was driving offense. He was scoring, and he was generating assists for others, yeah. setting players up. Unless you can get somebody that's a dynamic player like that, I hesitate to go, yeah, give up a – Bo Byram for, you right. know, give for a whoever. first round pick, give up one of your top guys. In the I get all that. No, so I do. I do. I, I also want to mention that, I mean, if you're thinking about trading Bo, the player that you would be trading him for does not currently occur to me out there as far as an option. I'm not trading Bo for a Casey Middlestat. Mm-hmm. That to me is a reach. Right. Like, it, you know, kind of we talk about the quarterbacks with the Broncos. Like, yeah. you don't just draft a guy because you like him. If you're going to make a move like this, you better love the guy, and you better not be playing money ball. And we just spoke about it. Last year, they tried to get away with young guys to fill those spots. Yeah. This year, what are they doing? Parise, Johansson. Yep. They're trying to go down that road I know. a little bit. It's like bit. Lars Eller. Right. It's, 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 yeah. yeah, it's that's why they're, it's kind, money of, ball they're kind of stuck in between right now. And the, the, the good news is, is that they, they still have the core players. If you can also add Val back, that, that's crucial. That you're just never going to discount or totally eliminate their chances. That nobody's nobody's going to say, "Hey, I'll gladly take on the Avalanche." Please let let's let's yeah. let's go. Let's try to sure. play ourselves into a matchup against Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Mikko Ranton, and Val Nichushkin. Nobody's going to sign up for that. However, I, I think just knowing what we know, what a, a cup team looks like, it, it feels like boy, a lot of things would have to go their way. For them to be able green lights. To, to, to pull it off again. Agree. As it's constructed right now, that's not even that's assuming Val comes back and Val's right and Val is reliable. Okay, we will see what happens. We're a couple weeks away from the uh, trade deadline. Want to thank you, Matt, for always hopping in. Always enjoy talking to some pucks with you. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back with two episodes of the Mile High Hockey Podcast coming up next week.